Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, all the headlines from Apple's Spring Loaded event, all of the announcements Mark Zuckerberg made in that Discord room yesterday, Binance hires a former regulator to be its new CEO, and Fitbit wants to sell you a fashion-forward fitness tracker. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. All right, let's do this. Tim Cook kicked things off this afternoon talking about the Apple credit card, of all things. Apparently, spouses and partners can now merge their credit lines, and there's a new Apple Card family program where you can give anyone over the age of 13 access to card spending power with spending limits built in. There is now a completely redesigned Apple Podcast app with new channels, new artwork, and a new Apple Podcast subscription service. I'm sure we'll talk about this on the Twitter space later tonight, but a quick TLDR, Apple will now let podcasters spin up their own subscription products. Quoting 9to5Mac, The Apple Podcasters program, which includes all of the tools needed to offer premium subscriptions on Apple Podcasts, is available to creators in over 170 countries and regions for $19.99 per year. Creators can enroll in the Apple Podcast program today through Apple Podcast Connect, end quote. But guess what? On top of that per-year feed, I just now saw Casey Newton tweet that Apple will still take their traditional 30% cut. Yeah, we'll for sure talk about that in the Twitter space tonight, but that's inside baseball stuff for me, right? You came here for the products. So, real quick, there is now a new purple version of the iPhone that looks pretty delicious. You can pre-order it this Friday, and it's available April 30th. And yes, AirTags, they're finally here. AirTags look pretty much how you'd expect them to look, little pog-like discs. You can personalize them. And the idea is you attach them to your things so you don't lose said things. But notice I said attach, not stick to. So apparently there is a flood of accessories coming towards us to attach these things to everything you might want to attach them to. They work using ultra-wideband, as you'd expect, so any iPhone with a U1 chip can send you through your house Marco Polo style to find whatever it is you've lost. The AirTags apparently have a one-year battery life, and I'm pretty sure I saw that this is a user-replaceable battery, so that's nice. It's $29 for one, $99 for a pack of four. They're available April 30th with the pre-order starting today. The Apple TV 4K got an upgrade with the addition of the A12 Bionic chip, which now allows Apple TV 4K to support high frame rate HDR. AirPlay now supports high frame rate HDR. There's a fancy new feature that lets you use your phone, holding its sensors up to the screen, to do color balancing. But weirdly, I think the biggest news is they redesigned the stupid Apple TV remote. It's still aluminum, but now it's got real buttons and a circular touch disc with jog control, so almost exactly like an old-school iPod. Also, this remote can finally power on and power off your TV as well as mute it. The Siri button has been moved to the side. What I'm curious about is this would have been the perfect time to also mention that the remote would work with Find My as well. And they did not mention that, which is a shame because the Apple TV remote is the one thing in my life that I misplace the most. Anywho, $179 for the 32 gigabyte version, $199 for the 64 gigabyte version, and on to, in my opinion, the biggest news of the day. We also got new iMacs. 
Yes, the IMAX got the M1 chip. Yes, the IMAX got a major redesign. And basically, I would say the redesign is this. Imagine a super-duper-sized iPad Pro attached to a swivel arm. That's what this looks like, and it's sexy as hell. Basically, the entire computing part of it is as thin and sexy and light-looking as you could possibly imagine while still having a big iMac screen. There are seven different colors, also looking delicious as hell. Let me state again, these things are thin as hell, 11 and a half millimeters thin, in fact. How'd they get so thin? Apple says it's thanks to the M1 chip, of course, which allowed them to create smaller logic boards and smaller thermal systems. The display is 24 inches, but the overall body of the machine is only slightly bigger than the old 21.5 inch IMAX. The screen is what Apple is calling 4.5K. With 500 nits of brightness and true tone, there's a new six speaker system. And get this a 1080p webcam with a three mic array with beam forming and noise reduction, the better to zoom you with, my dear. Apple says it's the best webcam they've ever put into a Mac, which of course it is. Apple has put terrible, terrible cameras in Macs for far too long. With the chip upgrade, Apple says the CPU in these iMacs is 85% faster. It's a 2x improvement on the GPU compared to some other, actually not specified, previous iMacs. In the back, you get up to four USB-C ports. Notice I said up to, more on that in a second. There is no SD card slot, sadly. There is a woven power cord that should hopefully be more durable than the power cords of recent vintage. The power connects to the back of the machine via a magnet, and one of the models, the power brick, has the Ethernet port built into the brick itself. And now there are new color-matched keyboards, magic mice, trackpads. Basically, you can match the color of the aluminum to the color of the aluminum on your machine. And get this, the keyboards have gotten Touch ID. As for pricing, there's a $1,299 base model that gets four colors. The $1,499 base model comes in seven colors. Further differences between the two. The $1,299 gets you an eight-core CPU, a seven-core GPU, eight gigabytes of unified memory, 256-gigabyte SSD, two Thunderbolt ports, again, two. That's because the $1,499 model gets an 8-core CPU, an 8-core GPU, so one more core on the GPU, then the same 8 gigabytes of memory, the same 256 base SSD, but this model gets two Thunderbolts and two USB 3 ports, plus the Magic Keyboard with Touch ID and Ethernet in the brick only comes with the more expensive model. So I guess this means that the lower-end model is Wi-Fi only, all of this for pre-order April 20th, available the second half of May. And then finally, today came the iPad Pros. The iPad Pros are getting the M1 chips as well. Not M1-like chips, as was rumored, the actual M1 chips. So the exact same chips as are available on all of these new Mac models from the last year or so. I was watching the live stream from The Verge, and Nilai pointed out, What's the best way to get developers to make single apps that run on the Mac and the iPad Pro? Give them all the same architecture. Dieter said the iPad Pro should do Mac stuff discussion is about to get lit. 
With the M1s, Apple says 50% performance jump over previous gen, 40% graphics jump. The outer design has not changed at all, but you can now get as much as a two terabyte configuration. Also, for the first time that I can ever remember with an iPad, Apple mentioned you could spec it up to 16 gigabytes of memory. Also, the Pro now has Thunderbolt and USB 4 support, also 5G, and the cameras. There is now an ultra-wide camera and a new feature called Center Stage that auto-pans to follow you as you move around, just like I've been saying the Facebook portal does. And yes, at least the highest-end model gets micro-LED, which Apple is calling mini-LED for reasons that I don't know, but actually their name for this is the Liquid Retina XDR Display. It's got 1,000 nits, 1,600 nit peak brightness, but there are 10,000 LEDs in this thing, and it's only available on the 12.9-inch model. So to sum up, there's an 11-inch model starting at $799 and a 12.9-inch model starting at $1,099, which is $100 more than before, but as I said, that one is the only one with the micro-LED, so that's what you're paying extra for. To sum up the iPad Pro news generally, no major functional changes to the iPad Pros beyond the front camera being able to follow you around and the XDR display on the 12.9-inch model. Otherwise, it's just faster chips and the exact same hardware design. Let's end with what we didn't see today. No iPad mini update, no AirPods, and no word on the 27-inch iMacs, which I just checked are still being sold, so one wonders... When might the next generation of chip beyond the M1 get announced? Might that be reserved for MacBook Pros and the 27-inch iMac? Maybe at WWDC? Would that be too soon? But certainly sometime this year, right? When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mac Weldon clothing. 
Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their Airnet underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak Polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer. Their Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. There was some other news today, but first, let me catch you up on what Mark Zuckerberg announced yesterday in that Discord room with Casey Newton. Zuckerberg said Facebook is planning a short-form audio product called Soundbytes a podcast discovery tool, and more audio products over the next three to six months. Zuckerberg also said that Facebook is working with Spotify on a music integration project codenamed Project Boombox. Facebook then officially announced that it will start testing live audio rooms in groups and expects to roll out the feature to everyone on the Facebook app by the summer. Nice little sum up here from Sarah Fisher in Axios, quote, Soundbites. Facebook's new short-form audio product will serve users streams of brief clips. Zuckerberg says this product is like an audio version of its TikTok-like video product Reels. Users can share individual clips to their news feeds, or they can consume a string of audio clips joined together and algorithmically distributed in a feed. Podcasts. Zuckerberg says Facebook is going to build a podcast discovery tool for creators to share their podcasts with users on Facebook and also for users to consume and discover podcasts on Facebook. He alluded to Facebook potentially partnering with an external podcast app and guiding users to that app to listen to podcasts in the background of their Facebook experience. Live audio, quote, every once in a while, a new medium comes along that can be adopted into a lot of different areas, Zuck said, using the newsfeed as a previous example. Zuckerberg suggested there will be ways live audio can help Facebook boost the creator economy. Zuckerberg said Facebook's goal is to build a suite of audio products that will ultimately be as strong as its text, photo, and video products. Quote, at a high-level picture here, we think audio is going to be a first-class medium, he said, end quote. Because we've had so much recent discussion of Clubhouse, I wanted to share this tidbit real quick, because it's something that I've been hearing people whisper about for a couple weeks now, but these are the first numbers I've actually seen published. According to Sensor Tower, Clubhouse was downloaded 2.7 million times in March, which represents a 72% decline from February's download numbers of more than 9.5 million. Now, I don't have an opinion on this either way, but here's a quick bull case, bear case debate from Twitter. First, here's Austin Allred. Hype cycles aren't what makes great companies. Copycats almost never kill great companies. Clubhouse created a unique mechanism of social interaction and has the cash, team, and wherewithal to see it through. It might take 10 years, but I bet it 10x's from here easy, end quote. And Dare Abisanjo, also on Twitter, quote, It'll be ironic if every social app rushes to copy Clubhouse 
And it ends up like every app copying folksonomies, tag clouds from Flickr, and users concluding it was a fun gimmick, but not actually useful, end quote. Interesting news from the crypto world. Crypto exchange Binance is getting a new CEO on May 1st. He's Brian Brooks, who just so happened to be acting head of the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency under the Trump administration, quoting the Wall Street Journal. During his time at the OCC, Mr. Brooks was dubbed the crypto comptroller on social media for his friendly attitude toward digital currencies. Under his watch, the OCC released guidance clarifying that banks could provide cryptocurrency custody services and use stablecoins to facilitate payment activities, moves that helped make it easier for traditional financial institutions to get into crypto. Stablecoins are a type of digital coin backed by a commodity or traditional currency like the U.S. dollar. Mr. Brooks was acting head of the OCC, a unit of the Treasury Department, from May 2020 to January. Before joining the OCC, he was the chief legal officer of Coinbase, the U.S. Bitcoin exchange. He also previously worked as general counsel of mortgage giant Fannie Mae. Crypto companies have hired a number of former officials in recent months as they increasingly seek mainstream acceptance. Such hires could help companies such as Binance and Coinbase navigate potential pitfalls in the emerging U.S. regulatory framework for digital currencies. But they are also a striking contrast to the early libertarian vision of Bitcoin as a way to conduct transactions outside the reach of governments. Last month, Coinbase said it was hiring the Securities and Exchange Commission's former top regulator for stock exchanges, Brett Redfern, as a vice president, end quote. Also in crypto news, Venmo has added support for buying, holding, and selling four types of cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash, quoting TechCrunch. The company had already announced its plans to introduce cryptocurrency on Venmo in 2021. Both Venmo and PayPal support for crypto comes by way of a partnership with Paxos Trust Company, a regulated provider of cryptocurrency products and services. Though there isn't much differentiation between what both PayPal and Venmo offer users today, the company explains that the move is more about getting cryptocurrencies in front of a separate and arguably younger audience." End quote. Finally today, we led the show today with big product announces, so here's one more. Fitbit has unveiled Lux, a $150 fashion-focused fitness tracker, coming this spring with a wide range of bands, up to five days of battery life, and an OLED touchscreen. Quoting The Verge, The Lux was designed for a, quote, diverse range of wrist sizes and skin tones for 24-7 wear. Fitbit says the Lux is its thinnest touchscreen tracker yet, and the company thinks most people should be able to sleep comfortably with it on. To that end, you won't need to charge it every night, as Fitbit claims it'll last up to five days per charge. The Lux is angled toward people who want their fitness tracker to be taken for jewelry. The company even went so far as using a metal injection molding process to craft the Lux's stainless steel case, which is apparently a traditional technique for jewelry making. The Lux is a buttonless tracker, and inputs are delegated to its color OLED touchscreen. 
Like its previous smartwatches and trackers, Fitbit's Lux will be supported for iOS and Android devices. It'll also support Google FastPair to pair more quickly to Android devices. The Lux supports connected GPS while pairing to your phone, so you'll need to bring your phone along if you want to track runs or walks. If having built-in GPS is important to you, Fitbit's Charge 4 includes that and other features like Fitbit Pay and Spotify controls, end quote. couple quick programming notes here. Chris and I will be doing a Twitter space tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking about the Apple event. Everyone's got an opinion on that, right? So join us on Twitter at that time. Raise your hand and please join in the conversation. Again, on Twitter, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Also, yesterday, I joked that I saw so many U.S. media types on Twitter who were Like, can someone please explain this whole European Soccer Super League controversy to me? And I suggested that they all come into a clubhouse room and I do the explaining for them, which no one took me up on. But then Jack saw me say that, so we did one better. If you, too, are confused about what the Super League brouhaha is all about and want me to do the explaining for you, listen to yesterday's episode of The Cocky Ride Home. Search your podcast app for Ride Home and you should find it. Finally, we haven't had one of these in a while, but one of your fellow listeners purchased a classified ad, which you're about to hear. Remember, these classified ads are available to you as well to promote projects, offer jobs, seek jobs, and work and stuff. Basically, exactly what it says it is, a classified ad to reach other listeners in the community of listeners of this podcast. If you'd like to run a classified of your own, go to ridehome.info forward slash P forward slash classifieds link in the show notes. Listen up. Are you an online retailer? Are you growing in the current e-commerce boom? Or have your attempts at scaling fallen flat? Rob Bettis is an independent digital marketer who helps boutique e-commerce brands build bigger, better businesses online with paid media. Unlike agencies who are all about scale, Rob works with a limited number of businesses, managing advertising on Google, Facebook, Instagram, ensuring every client gets the attention and expertise they deserve. Since starting his solo practice, Rob has managed $2.5 million in paid media and generated an average return on ad spend of over 600% for his clients. And he wants to do the same for you. If you want to build a bigger, better e-commerce brand, contact Rob at robbettis.com or click the link in the show notes. That's robbettis, B-E-T-T-I-S.com, robbettis.com.